Oh, hi. Good morning. Glad to be here with you this morning. I was just checking my windows. Uh, have you guys checked your windows? Like, are there strangers watching this morning? You got to be watching because people are people are always looking at the building, looking where you gather. How many people have you got this morning? I hope it's not too many. Now, as I ask all those questions for us, this isn't about COVID-19. What I'm asking those questions about in churches around the world today, people have to ask those questions because they're under persecution. They're under persecution from their governments who have banned them meeting. They have outlawed it. And they are singled out and they're persecuted for being followers of Jesus. We're under a very different set of circumstances, obviously. We have choose, chosen to not gather, to cooperate with our government. We're following the regulations that have been set out for us. We're showing our support for the health and the well-being of our neighborhood and our neighbors. We want to participate as good citizens of Canada. But we long for the moment when we can meet again. And we know that it's just going to be for a limited time. And we know that meeting like this doesn't really work. I mean, this isn't the ideal situation to be meeting in as a church. In fact, I read this week, someone wrote this, the virtual church and virtual sermons cannot become a lifestyle commitment. It's not warranted by scripture and long-term they aren't healthy for the body of Christ. That's really what I'm trying to get across to us as we start this morning. I mean, if people are watching us and you do have more than the minimum five meeting, hopefully you're meeting all those requirements. In other parts of the world, that's actually dangerous situations for them. And yet they choose to gather. They still choose to come together as churches in the underground church in many parts of the world. And they face imprisonment. They first face persecution. They could even face death. And as I think about that, I have to ask, why do they continue to meet? What's so important about actually being gathered as the church? Well, it's simply this, because God meets us in our gatherings. God meets us in a unique way when we come together. And worship uniquely brings us into God's presence. He's modeled it for us. He's designed us for us and he's commanded it. In fact, as we began worship today, do you, are you aware that you were actually called to worship? Not in a theological sense, not in a sort of philosophical sense, but very literally, there was a call to worship. Every, every Sunday it happens. When our host first uh, meets you on, on the camera and gathers us together and welcomes us and announce, uh, makes announcements, there is always what's called a call to worship or an invocation. It's actually a moment when we are exhorted to turn from everything else that's going on and to prepare our hearts and our minds to come before God and to revere him. In our context, our hosts welcome you. And then in some way they say, okay, let's get our heads into what's about to happen. God is inviting us into worship. And so now's the time to prepare your heart, to prepare your minds, and gather together. Psalm 100 is a great call to worship. And as we begin this morning, I want to read it. And out of that call to worship, let it call us afresh, but also think about today's sermon. Today's sermon is talking about healthy churches. 
and very particularly that healthy churches are God-exalting. And so to understand a call to worship and how it brings us together, I think also helps us to understand what this healthy church is all about. Psalm 100 reads this way, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Shout, worship, come with gladness, come into his presence. This is really the Lord's invitation to us. The Lord's voice through the psalmist urging us to come together and gather, to come expecting that there will be a, a touching of our hearts as we meet with God in this way, to come with joy and direct our worship to the Lord. But it's also an invitation to know, to know, to use your heads. Know this, the Lord is God. When you're reading your Bible, if you see Lord and it's all in small caps, that means that it's the, the name of God, Jehovah or Yahweh. And that name that is given comes right out of when Moses asked God to reveal himself. What's your name? And he said, I am. It's God revealing himself as the covenant-making God, inviting Israel into relationship with him. And the psalmist says, know that this Lord, this covenant-making Lord who is with us and over us is God Almighty as well, is the creator of the universe. And so here, the Lord God Jehovah, the I Am, the unknowable one, has made himself known. And he's entered into covenant with his people. Know that he who made us, the creator, invites us to come as his people and to be his sheep. That's really terms of relationship, of endearment. It's who God is for us. He is unknowable, he's the creator, he's above all things, but he also invites us to come and to be intimate with him and to be his people and he will be our God. He is the shepherd and we are his sheep. He has saved us to bring us into this relationship. So it's invitation to come, to know, to worship him. And then we give thanks, see what he has done. We praise his name, we recognize his character, for he is good and he is faithful. And this is to be given to all generations. We are to spread this, to continue this to every generation, to our children, so that our children's children's may know, and even beyond the generations of our own families, but to our neighborhoods and to the people of this world. It's not just this command. It is the call to purpose, to exalt God who has saved us and brought us into his family. And we gather to share the overflow of our hearts and the riches of his, of his knowableness. Know, that he has revealed himself. Knowableness, is that even a word? Anyway, that God has made himself known to us in a way that we can ultimately understand. And so while it is a command to come, it's also an invitation. And it's an invitation to give voice to the natural response of our hearts to a God who has blessed us and brought us into his presence. It's the natural response of a people who know God. 
And that knowing goes beyond just knowing about him, but it's being brought into that intimacy of knowing him and being known by him. J.I. Packer wrote a classic book many years ago called Knowing God. I'd recommend it as kind of everyone should read that at least once. And in that book, one of his chapter introductions, he, he wrote this. He said, I walked in the sunshine with a scholar who had effectively forfeited his prospects of academic achievement or advancement by clashing with church dignitaries over the gospel of grace. So he is being ostracized because differing opinions on this. But he said, but it doesn't matter, he said at length, for I've known God and they haven't. I've known God. Here's an individual who understood what it was to be in this relationship with God, to know him in a way that he experienced the relationship, to know him in a way that that was life-changing for him. That's our desire. That's what we're seeking out to know God. Packer goes on to write another 300 pages about what it means to know God, hence the title of the book. But as he does that, he tries to unpack what it is to know God in a way that it transforms our lives. And that's at the heart of being a God-exalting church, to be a people who know God, and in that knowing, we worship and we respond to him. So today's mark of a healthy church, we've put it very simply, is exalting God or God-exalting. It's our reminder that at the heart of our very existence together is the shared desire and joy to lift up the name of the one who has brought us out of darkness and into light, who's given us new life, who has filled us with his spirit, who has redeemed us, who has loved us, who has forgiven us, who embraces us as his children, who has given us the gift of eternal life and is preparing an eternal home for us in eternity. And this is our response to him. In the notes that uh, accompany the sermon today, I've summarized what this healthy mark is for us in this way. Healthy churches come together to exalt God in the fullness of God's spirit. Their hearts and minds are joyfully engaged with who God is, what God is doing, and how they will respond to him in fellowship, service, and witness. That's a, that's a mouthful, so we're just gonna unpack it for the next few moments and to just let that kind of sink in, but it'd be something that I'm gonna repeat a few times. I'd encourage you to try to get it in your head perhaps over the next little while as you think about these marks of a healthy church. So once more, healthy churches come together to exalt God in the fullness of God's spirit. Their hearts and their minds are joyfully engaged with who God is, what God is doing, and how they will respond to him in fellowship, service, and witness. So let's start off, we'll kind of take it phrase by phrase. Healthy churches come together to exalt God. One of my favorite passages is found in Ephesians 2, verses 19 to 22. It's an incredible description of what the church is meant to be. There we read, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together, become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. 
Look how many expressions uh, are given to the church in, in just those sections, that one small paragraph of the Apostle Paul writing. How many different nuances to what it is to belong to the church? We are citizens. That's a picture of nationhood, that God has made us to be a nation of people together under him. We are God's people. We have an identity as being connected to God in an organic way. We are his people. He is our God. We are a household, that there is a family connection that we enjoy together. We're being brought together and the, the family is growing and being uh, uh, developed in that way. We are a building with Jesus being the defining cornerstone for us. So there is structure. There is something that is being built up. In fact, it says that the building is rising. It's that picture of God continuously at work, putting together his church. And as we are being built together, it's that idea that none of us stand alone that we belong together. In Peter, we are called living stones. And so the picture of the church being uh, gathered together in this way and rising, and the final picture in this passage is that we are a dwelling for God, a temple in which he lives by his spirit. You see, following Jesus begins as a, an intensely personal event. He died for me. He saved me. He's invited me into a relationship with him. But out of that personal experience, we are also brought into a much broader expression. We are brought into a corporate picture. We are family, we are citizens, we're part of a kingdom, we're part of a building. We are the temple together in which God dwells by his spirit. And healthy churches give expression to this gathering. You can't be a solitary believer and truly experience all that God intends for your life and for your abundance in him. Which is why these days of COVID are so difficult for us. They're in some ways unbearable for us as a church because we can't gather. I mean, it's birthed into us to want to be together. We're born for relationship and in the family of God. And so we're, we, we long for those days. And part of the problem, part of the dangers, I've written a couple, read a couple of articles recently about this, that there is some worry that the church is going to get lazy in these days. You know, wherever you are right now, we asked you to send pictures of how you worship and many are sitting on your couch, you've got your cup of coffee, some are in your pajamas, you're wrapped up in nice warm blankets, and it's a very relaxed and comfortable situation. You didn't have to leave your house today. You didn't have to kind of go to your way to serve anyone else. And there's a danger, can the church become lazy? Can we become very comfortable in this virtual kind of setting uh, to become a stay-at-home church? No responsibilities, no vulnerabilities, no lifting up someone else, no sharing. And I, I think that is something that we need to be thinking through. But I think in our hearts, we know how dangerous and how unhealthy that is for us, that these aren't normal days. And it's also the second part of that first statement that healthy churches come together to exalt God in the fullness of God's spirit. You see, there's something unique about us gathering together as a people that you can't experience just as a family or just by yourself, especially at home. There is something about us gathered together 
where God is uniquely expressed among us. And the fullness of his spirit is being able to give, a, give an expression through how we meet and what we do. Again, there's a very personal side to being filled with God's spirit, but there's also a very corporate setting to it. In Ephesians 5.18, Paul writes this, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The expression of the fullness of God's Spirit is made in the company of God's people. It's where your gifts come alive and we're able to share them in the context of the body of Christ meeting together. Naturally, we are built for relationship. God has created us in our, in our humanity to long for that relationship. And I think it almost gets doubled in the spiritual life as well. That spiritually, we are a family who needs to be drawn together so that we can help and encourage and bless and build each other up to hear many voices and to hear from God himself in the context of being together. Did you hear what the response or the outcome of being filled with the Spirit is? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, singing, making music from our heart to the Lord. I mean, there is something unique about being all together to sing. I don't know about you, but it, it's been hard to kind of enter into the worship music home alone. Very often in, in our setting, Diana watches kind of the worship service on her tablet. I'm on another small computer because of kind of typing and chatting and doing some things like that. We just found it easier. So we end up sitting apart and then the music starts and Jamie and Emily or whoever's leading us does a great job in doing that. But it's, you know, you suddenly feel very self-conscious. I like to sing. I often sing myself, but it's, there's something about singing along with that that you find intimidating. But when we get all together as a congregation and we're all there and we hear the band playing and the music is led and there's voices all around us singing, it's just there's something of God's spirit that allows us to sing and to minister to each other in this way. Or even in our small group setting, it's so much more unique when we're gathered together to be able to share and to respond to other people in, in the service. Healthy churches come together to exalt God in the fullness of his spirit. And as we do that, there is a sense in which God uniquely meets us and ministers to us. The second part of my summary statement is simply, how does that get expressed? If that's the driving force and the influence, if that's where health is going to be found for us in coming together and exalting God, well, how, how does it actually get expressed? And so I've just put it into this very simple thing that says that in, uh, in these healthy churches, hearts and minds are going to be joyfully engaged in who God is, in what he's doing, and then how they will respond. And we respond in three primary directions, in, in fellowship, in service, and in witness. You see, as we gather, we praise and we give thanks. We fill out the portrait of who God is. We remind each other of what he is doing among us. When we give thanks, we are particularly saying, God, thank you for what you've done. 
When we give praise, we're primarily saying, God, thank you or bless you for who you are. We recognize his attributes. I find this so beautifully expressed in Isaiah chapter 40. And I'm just going to highlight a couple of verses from there this morning. In Isaiah 40, it's the, although it's not the second half of the book, but it's the beginning of a new section. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah are where the people have heard the, uh, the rebuke and the prophecy against them. It is a call to return to God. And it's an outpouring of what God's sort of wrath against them has been for their sin. But in Isaiah 40, there's a change of pace. And it begins with comfort. Comfort my people. And Isaiah begins this uh, last sort of half of the book in which he's outlining and really beginning to help the people see what is coming and the promise of Messiah and hope being restored. And he begins in Isaiah 40 and in verse 9 he says this, you who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. His reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. He's saying, here is the prophet. Here's the voice that is coming. We need to declare and have it declared to us. Here is your God. And two things he focuses on. When you get God declared or proclaimed or being put on display, he says, first, he is the sovereign Lord. He is the powerful one. He is the ruler supreme. But he is also the gentle shepherd. He is also the one who comes alongside and cares for and nurtures those who have come to him. He is beyond our understanding as the sovereign Lord, the God of all the universe, and yet he makes himself known. Who is God and what is it that he's doing? And Isaiah 40 unpacks those two ideas and calls Israel to return their heart to worship and to an expression as the people of God. And the bottom line seems to be that Israel is being called and, and helped to understand that they need each other, that they as a nation do need to return, but they're being called collectively to remember who God is, to rely on him and recognize his attributes and remind each other of his attributes. Here is your God to declare it to each other. Isaiah 40, 25 to 26, in a series of questions that get asked, this is just one of them. Isaiah asked, to whom will you compare me? Or it's actually the Lord through Isaiah saying, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name? Because of, their, of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. You see, I need help to have my eyes lifted to the heavens. I need help to be reminded of the awe of who God is. And that happens when we gather together 
as I hear your story, and as I hear how you have reflected on the heavens, on the starry host, or what other things that you have experienced of who God is. When I get bogged down, when life is hard, I need someone to help me look up. Often that happens in our music together, as I've already mentioned. We proclaim who God is. We make declarations together about who he is. And in those moments when I've forgotten it, I hear others making that declaration and I am reminded of this over and over again, that I'm reminded of the wonder of his name and how he continually reveals himself to us. So I need help. I need help and it's the church coming together that helps me and reminds me of who God is and the wonder of these attributes. I also need you to remind me of what God is doing, that I'm not alone, that the Lord is at work. In Isaiah 40, he continues on, he talks about who you compare God to. Do you not know? Have you not understood? Look at what God is doing. He's the God of hope and of majesty and wonder. And so in the same way, I need help to be reminded of what God is doing, that I'm not alone. It's why in our services we share things like Dwayne shared earlier in today's service about what God's doing in the project at 500 James. I mean, we've been praying for many months now, and one of the prayers is, God, at the end of all this, we simply want to see that this is by your hand. It's by the wonder of what you have done and what you've accomplished. And it's been amazing the last several weeks to see that. In days when, you know, COVID-19, when, when everything financially seems to be falling apart, God has blessed us and God has provided in ways which has been amazing. It's not only that, it's why we continue to get together in our, in our small groups for prayer. It's why we continue to be drawn together to see how the Lord is meeting our needs, both emotionally and physically and spiritually. It's why we love to hear what's happening in Kingdom Kids. And as those videos have gone out week by week, and as I've watched them, and then you see some of the kids kind of sharing and taking part in some of the verses and things, it's such a blessing to see what God is doing and encouraging and building up. To hear from Derek what's happening with the youth during this time. To hear that they're still going ahead and they're doing Bible study and kids are still asking questions and there's growth taking place. It's why we still offer the food bank. It's why we still get involved in the neighborhood so that we can see how God is reaching and touching the lives of people that surround us. You see, healthy churches are those in which we are engaged in heart and mind with who God is, what he's doing. And this all leads us to respond in fellowship, service, and witness. Fellowship, fellowship that's with God, but also with his family. In service, exercising my gifts, caring for the body, showing compassion for this world. And in witness, spreading his love and his grace to all generations. Those three topics are gonna to be explored more fully in the weeks to come as we are in this series about uh, the marks of a healthy church or hitting the mark. Each one of those areas of fellowship and service and witness are all gonna kind of get their own, uh, own sermon, but we see how it all flows out of our exalting of God. And as we exalt God together, we are moved towards these areas of ministry. We are moved towards expressions of how we help each other. Without question, it's hard in these days of isolation. 
to cultivate this sense of corporate God exalting from our virtual settings. But it's what we're called still to do. It calls us to pray for our government as they gauge how to bring us back to a place of gathering. You know, that we'll do it wisely, but that we'll do it as soon as we can. It's going to call for prayer for our church leaders as we figure out how we'll begin to bring us back together so that we can gather and have that great sense of encouragement and blessing. It's going to call us to cry out to God for provision in this time of the virus. Pray for a vaccine. Pray for antibodies to be discovered. Pray for his help as we have to distance from each other. But then also pray that as we draw near to God personally, we can also look for ways to draw near to each other and to encourage and bless and build each other up through the technology, through phoning, through sidewalk chats, through whatever it is that we put ourselves into places we're able to come together in some ways to worship and, and bless God. And it draws us a longing or puts within us a longing for the family together. And when we do, let's exalt God together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day in which we worship you and can be blessed by you in our individual settings, but it is a longing to meet with you that the health of our church can be restored to a fullness where we will exalt you together. And we look forward to that. Help us even now as we continue in our worship this day that in our individual settings that we will know we are together and that together we see you. Amen.